Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're going to talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies. We'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. In this episode, you will hear from Dr. Jennifer McVean. She is a medical affairs director at Medtronic's diabetes business. She is a pediatric endocrinologist by training, and it's a path she chose early in life where she was di- when she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Jennifer McVean talks about how that changed her life as a teenager and how she set herself on a course to make sure that children who were diagnosed with diabetes could live a typical life. She's worked her whole career in the medical profession doing that. Now she's doing that at Medtronic. So we'll learn about that transition and what has her excited about moving forward. But before we begin this great conversation with Dr. Jennifer McVean, I'd like to bring in our sponsor of the episode, Sunrise Labs. I had the chance to speak with Eric Soderberg. He is president and CEO of Sunrise Labs. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Tell us about Sunrise Labs. We're a contract product development company. We design and develop medical devices for our clients. We have no devices of our own. Uh, With a team of over 100 people and growing, we serve our clients from the top medical device firms uh, right down to startups. Our clients bring us ideas and we deliver clinical ready and then commercial ready devices with all the documentation needed to get clearance for the FDA and move it right into the most appropriate manufacturing partner for build. It's the complex devices that are our bread and butter from miniaturized connected wearables with apps and cloud backends to large complex electromechanical systems with pumps and motors and real-time controls were also comfortable and experienced in delivering safety critical systems like heart pumps. We'll hear more from Eric Soderberg a little later in the podcast. If you want more information about Sunrise Labs, you can go to sunriselabs.com. Jennifer McVean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here. I'm excited to hear your story as to uh, how you recently joined Medtronic. You're a recent hire and you're in charge of medical affairs. I want to learn about that role and about your uh, involvement with treating diabetes. But let's go to the beginning. And normally we start at the career beginning, but I think your path sort of starts even earlier than choosing what college to go to, what career path to follow. What led you to this path uh, early on in your life? Well, when I was 11 years old in January of 1988, I was sitting with my mom in a doctor's office and the doctor looked at me and told me that I had type 1 diabetes and that I needed to go to the hospital right away. Wow. I looked at my mom and she was crying. And so I figured it must be pretty bad. But my mom actually looked up in between the tears and asked the doctor if I could go to the hospital the next day because I was supposed to be in the spelling bee and she didn't want me to miss it. (laughs) And to my surprise, the doctor said yes. (laughs) Would you have said yes today? Probably not. I don't know. I'm not sure. So the next day I got up, I went to school, I went to the spelling bee. 
I won the spelling bee. All right. <laughs> and then I went to the hospital where I spent the rest of the week. And when I came home, my life as I had known it had changed forever. And the finger pokes and the injections and all of the dietary restrictions weren't even the worst part. The worst part was the exclusion. I no longer got invited to sleepovers because I was too much responsibility. Really? The school, the public school that I attended, didn't allow me to go on field trips because I was too much liability for the school. And so I really grew to hate having diabetes. Wow. Yeah. In this day and age where half the kids are coming over to my house and carrying an EpiPen, it's like, doesn't it seem like- It was a, a different, different time. It sure was. 34 years. Yeah. So I hated having diabetes because it made me different and led to exclusion. And I decided a couple things. One, I was telling no one I had diabetes. And two, I was going to become a pediatric endocrinologist so that someday on my watch, the children were all going on field trips. And so sure enough, I became a pediatric endocrinologist and I made sure it only came up a few times, but I made sure that those kids got to go on the field trips. So that's what led me to become a pediatric endocrinologist. Well, going back, what was it initially that brought you to the doctor's office? Well, the symptoms of type 1 diabetes are when someone starts to be very thirsty and drink a lot, going to the bathroom, urinating more frequently, weight loss. Those are some of the, the main symptoms, and those are the symptoms that I had. Now, it can get very severe where someone starts vomiting and develops something that's called diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a life-threatening emergency. Fortunately, I was not quite that sick. But those are the symptoms that, that brought me to the doctor's office. Amazing. So going now, fast forwarding to your decision to become a pediatric endocrinologist. So you never wavered from that path? That was, you were dead set on it as a child and, and saw it through? I was. I actually started volunteering at the children's hospital where I spent a week when I was 13. And I volunteered there until I started medical school when I was 22. Amazing. Talk a bit about your your career as a pediatric endocrinologist. What were the rewarding parts and and what were some of the accomplishments that you feel very proud about? Absolutely. Well, I really became a pediatric endocrinologist because I understand what it's like to have type 1 diabetes as a child. And I realize how hard it is as the child that has type 1 diabetes, but also how hard it is for the whole family. And my goal was really when taking care of children with diabetes to try to help them be the person that they would be without diabetes. Yes, they have diabetes. Yes, they have to do the things to take care of their diabetes. But how can we keep them healthy and keep them on the field playing soccer or out on the ice playing hockey or in band, whatever it is, helping them maximize their time doing all the things that kids love to do in life. And to try to minimize as much as possible the impact that diabetes has on the child and their social life and on the family and on their lives. It really is not only the child, but it's an entire disease of the family. And some of the things that I'm most proud of are things that I did with my teams. Diabetes is a team sport. Yes, you have a pediatric endocrinologist, but you also have diabetes educators who are nurses or dietitians, and you have social workers and psychologists. And seeing some of the children that we took care of, the ones who came in, you know, new onsets and were really struggling and 
watching them grow up and seeing them do amazing things, that was always extremely rewarding to me. I loved on occasion, I'll get invited to a high school graduation party. Oh, nice. And it doesn't happen too often because not every, you know, 17 or 18 year old really wants their like doctor at their party. (laughs) But I always attend when I can because it feels really special to see those children succeed. That's fantastic. So you've got a great perspective of the new technologies that have been coming out to, to help people with diabetes treat or manage their disease. We comment about it often, just from a medtech perspective, just so many companies out there are really, we seem to be at a tipping point, I think, where technology is really giving folks more control over their disease. What has the perspective been like as a physician treating these patients? Are you, have you been increasingly excited by the tools that are coming out to help these people? Well, let me tell you, let me circle back a little bit to my own story because then you'll sort of see. So I didn't tell anyone I had diabetes for almost 20 years. And if you don't tell anyone you have diabetes, you don't want them to know, you can hardly be seen sporting some insulin pump or medical device, right? When I turned 30, I finally let go of that, that burden of not letting anyone know. And I started an insulin pump myself, as well as continuous glucose monitoring that measures your glucose every five minutes. This was in 2006. And the insulin pump had been around for a while, but the continuous glucose monitoring was still kind of in its infancy. And it really, it really changed my life. It made my life much easier to manage. Instead of having to like sneak off into a bathroom and give an injection if I wanted to eat, you just push a few buttons on a pump, right? But what really changed my life was in June of 2017 when I started the Medtronic 670G insulin pump system. I had no idea what a peaceful night of sleep was until I started the 670G. Wow. I didn't even know that I didn't know what a peaceful night of sleep was. I had no idea you could simply put your head on the pillow at night and fall asleep and wake up rested the next morning. I'd lived with type 1 diabetes for 29 and a half years before I had a peaceful night of sleep. What did a typical night's sleep feel like to you? Prior to that? Yeah. I am back with Eric Soderberg, president and CEO of our sponsor, Sunrise Labs. Eric, tell us about the Sunrise system. Love to. The the Sunrise system first starts by defining what success is and, and then follows an agile process to consistently deliver success. So our job is to make our clients successful. And we believe the best way to do that is to partner with our clients in a high integrity, high respect manner, with full transparency. And so one of the tenets of the Sunrise system is to diagnose before we prescribe, seek to fully understand the whys behind what our clients are asking for, uh, and then help them make the trade-offs to get to the best solution. And having all the engineering disciplines in-house allows us to start with a systems view and implement down to the system details, keeping the systems view in mind. So the Sunrise System is our method of consistently delivering products that work for our clients' business goals and work for the end users. That's great, Eric. And finally, what sets Sunrise Labs apart from others in the space? I love this question, Tom. It's our culture, constant respect for people and uncompromising integrity. That's the bedrock Sunrise is built on. We're privately held and big enough to serve a wide variety of needs for our clients and small enough to deeply care about our clients' success. We like to say we, we give a boutique ex- experience with a, a very deep bench behind it. And so we were just awarded the title, the number one best company in New Hampshire to work for by Business New Hampshire Magazine. 
you know, again, it's a culture that sets us apart and allows us to attract and retain awesome people. And clients often tell us, you know, how much they love our enthusiasm and, and, and it's real. You know, we love what we do. Our engineers go home at night and build airplanes that they're actually going to fly in and you know, build solar chargers for their vans and program software controlled radios. We're geeks and proud of it. You know, and the proof is in the pudding. You know, we've been growing at a steady 15 to 20% a year for the last 10 years. And that's because our clients keep coming back for more help and we're hiring. All right. Well, Sunrise Labs is hiring. If you want to look into that or want to find out more information about Sunrise Labs, go to sunriselabs.com. What did a typical night's sleep feel like to you? Prior to that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for 29 and a half years, I was up in the middle of the night, probably on average once or twice a week with a low blood sugar, which can be very scary, a blood sugar in the 40s or 50s. And you wake up and you're hot and sweaty and confused and you need to eat sugar very quickly to bring your blood sugar back up. And then trying to fall asleep after that is very difficult. And then before going to bed every night, before the 670G, if you live with type 1 diabetes or you have a child that lives with type 1 diabetes, you have to ask so many questions. You have to ask, should I increase my insulin? Should I decrease my insulin? Did I exercise? Should I exercise? Did I eat a snack? Did I not eat a snack? And the challenging thing is prior to the 670G, which is a system that automates insulin delivery or on its own automatically adjusts the background insulin, the person with diabetes had to ask all these questions and you could literally eat the same thing and do the same exercise and make the same choices two days in a row. And your blood sugar levels could be wildly different. Really? So much burden. And with automated insulin delivery, it's so much better. I can't imagine, even especially with, with children. I mean, I just last night we got ice cream with my, my kids and I told my son, I'm like, it's a big container. Don't eat the whole thing. You know, just have a little bit. And then you're talking and then you look over and you're like, what happened? <laughs> like, and that's sorry. Like, kids. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. As a pediatric endocrinologist. Now I described my story to you as an adult and I was about 40 when I started right. that. Now imagine a child with diabetes. We don't know when they're going to eat, yep. when they're going to exercise, how much they're going to eat. It's so unpredictable and trying to manage all of those things. Honestly, it's a full-time job. Absolutely. So are you still practicing? Have you switched from medicine to, to industry or, or when, what went into that decision to, to move? Yeah, to absolutely. Well, I just started at Medtronic about three to four months ago and backtracking again a little bit to the, my experience with automated insulin delivery. I had such an amazing experience personally with automated insulin delivery, the 670G, that I started prescribing it to my patients wherever I met them in their diabetes journey, some right after they were diagnosed, some later on. And what I started to notice after the system had been on the market for about a year by the summer of 2018, it seemed like the patients who had chosen that, the 670G, the automated insulin delivery, were having longer honeymoons than those who hadn't. And let me quickly describe a honeymoon. Yes, please. Yes. When a person is diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, it's an autoimmune disease where the body attacks the cells in the pancreas that make insulin. When someone's diagnosed, probably 85 to 90% of those cells have been destroyed. But the ones that are left, they continue to work for a while, but the typical course is that they are eventually destroyed as well. 
But one of the things that we know is that if we can keep some of those cells alive, those beta cells in the pancreas that make insulin, the person with diabetes, their diabetes is easier to control. They have a lower risk of complications. And so one of our goals is to really try to keep beta cells alive in people who've been recently diagnosed. And after I noticed that in, in my clinical practice, it led me to ask the question more formally, if we start automated insulin delivery shortly after diagnosis, can we save beta cell function? And that is a study, it's called the CLEVER trial, that I worked on with investigators from six sites across the U.S. We're funded by JDRF, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, to see if we can, in fact, save beta cells. And part of the way we do that is by starting the hybrid closed-loop therapy or automated insulin delivery shortly after diagnosis. Our study is going to wrap up this year, and we will have results. But then back to your question, why did I join Medtronic? When the opportunity arose, I thought to myself, I can't imagine a next better step for me. I have seen the way that Medtronic technology has changed my life and how it's changed the lives of my patients and their families. And Medtronic is really committed specifically right now to making sure that their products and their portfolio work for children. And as a pediatric endocrinologist and a person who was diagnosed with diabetes as a child, that's extremely important to me. And that's really why I'm here, to increase access to technology for children inside the U.S., outside the U.S., and to really cut down barriers to all people living with diabetes being able to access technology. So what is your role at Medical Affairs? Yeah, well, I'm a medical affairs director, which is actually, it's a really exciting role because I get to do so many different things. I get to be involved in clinical research, in, you know, working with the FDA, in working with healthcare providers, doing medical education, speaking with healthcare providers around the world. I happen to speak Spanish and it's been so wonderful to get to interact with healthcare providers in Latin America working with upstream when we're developing the next set of products, what is it that patients want? What do patients need? So it really is a huge variety of things, which is really exciting and energizing to me. That's great. So talk about children and devices like these. How do they need to be different? Are they designed differently with a different interface? Are they just smaller versions or do they just deliver less? I mean, how do children engage with, with technologies and how does Medtronic and, and other device companies, how can they best serve children? Well, it's really interesting how you ask about children and the devices. And the devices that the children use are the same devices that adults use. As you can imagine, if you were going to make a pediatric set of devices and an adult set of devices, it would, you know, it would take quite a bit longer and all of that. So when Medtronic is working on coming up with the next device, it's really important. I feel like my job is to really stand up and say, hey, you know, kids are going to need this. This is really important for children. And when we look at how the devices deliver insulin, the settings are different. In general, the smaller you are, the less insulin you use every day. And the bigger you are, the more insulin you use every day. And 
insulin pumps have ranges that they can deliver that typically accommodate a wide variety of ages and, and body sizes and insulin needs. Medtronic really has prioritized children and is really working hard in that direction. Medtronic has an insulin pump system, the 770G, that is FDA approved down to age two. And really, when we look at data from studies inside the U.S. and outside the U.S., one of the things that is really important is to make sure that we're getting the outcomes. And by that, I mean kind of the metabolic outcomes, the goals that we're trying to reach, help people with diabetes reach, because we want to avoid the long-term risk of complications. And when you look at a child, they're going to have diabetes for a very long time. One of the metrics that we're using more and more is something called time and range. And this is the time that a person with diabetes spends between 70 and 180 milligrams per deciliter. That's considered the range. And the goal is to be over 70% time and range. And Medtronic has made devices, and these devices are showing not only in pivotal trials, but also in real world that the Medtronic devices are exceeding that time and range. So that's critically important. The other thing that is also critically important is ease of use. And this is something that Medtronic has learned and is working toward making these devices easy to use. Because look, people have to interact with their diabetes multiple times a day. And the goal that Medtronic has is to try and help patients interact with their diabetes less and less so they can spend more time living their life and less time having to worry about managing the diabetes. So when you're developing a pediatric device, how much is the decision to use that device made by the child or made by the parent? I guess what I'm asking with how, how do parents sort of, if I were in the position where I needed help like that, I'd very much like a way to monitor what was going on and to have a, some, some control over the situation, just to double check if necessary, depending on, upon the age of my kid. How do you account for caregivers and parents in, in developing this technology and using this technology? Great question. And I think, you know, when you look at pediatrics, I would say it's basically, you know, between birth and roughly 21, 22. That's when patients tend to graduate to an adult endocrinologist if they have type 1 diabetes. And it varies across the age spectrum as to the critical features. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's really important is the Bluetooth connection. As you brought up, you would like to know how your son is doing when you're not with him. And that's something that the 770G has. Not only can the child see it, their glucose and their insulin information on the screen of their pump, or if they happen to have a mobile phone, but the parents can see it as well. So that is really of critical importance. And I think that parents use that information to choose. They want to have that. They want to know how their child is doing. Another thing really is ease of use. Mm -hmm. How easy is it to use? That's really important. That gets to be important, I think, really important for teenagers. And then when you think about teenagers, how does it look? How does it interact with the rest of their life? Where do they put it on their body? Those questions in the teenage years are, are really quite important. One of the things that I also think is really critical is the outcome. You know, when sure. we look at people living with diabetes, we know that if a child is diagnosed when they're eight, they may live with diabetes for 70, 80, 90 years. And so really good 
tight diabetes control from the beginning and continued on is important. So having a device that can achieve those outcomes is really important for long-term health. And how have things changed for kids in, in diabetes? I'm thinking specifically, coincidentally, I saw a photo this morning of Kate Moss's daughter at the Met Gala, and she was wearing a device that was visible under her gown. You could see it. And there was a lot of praise and a lot of feeling, you know, good for you for not hiding your disease. Is that representative of where we are today? Do you feel like children are more comfortable showing their, their weaknesses or their needs? I definitely think we've made a lot of progress over the years. Yeah. Yes, it's okay in the U.S. I guess Kate Moss was maybe not. I don't know where the gala was. For I don't that. know either. I'm guessing it was New York, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, but. because in the U.S., I would say yes. It's not like that entirely in every country in the oh, really? world. There are some places and some cultures where it's still um, kind of more hidden, but not every person with diabetes, even if it's okay to wear it, not every person with diabetes really wants that attention. And you know, I spent 20 years hiding it. So I'm pretty like, I wear my device so you can see it. And if someone asks me, I'll tell them about how I walked uphill in the snow, both ways to school. Right. (laughs) But not every child wants that attention. Some do, some don't. And when I see a child who doesn't want anyone to know they have diabetes, you know, I accept that you shouldn't have to tell people if you don't want to. However, usually that's someone who hasn't quite accepted it. And I really, having walked in that road myself and wishing that I had accepted it much sooner, I really try to give some extra encouragement to those children to access mental health resources or whatever it is so they can get to the place where, hey, I don't have to wear my device where it's visible, but if I do wear it and someone comments, I don't really care. What flipped the switch for you in terms of deciding to tell people and to, and to show that you had diabetes? You know, honestly, it had been about 20 years and I was just tired. Yeah. I was just tired and I just decided I didn't care anymore, but I was an adult. You, you finally grow up and you're like, okay, this is silly. I'm, I'm sort of over it now. And I just no longer cared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. And, it, and I, as I said, <laughs> people are, uh, are very open with their needs nowadays. So two questions, one serious Looking at today's devices, today's options from from Medtronic and others, or Medtronic specifically, how different would your, do you look back to a younger you and think how different your life would have been, compare and contrast what what was available to you then and what's available to kids now? Absolutely. I think the compare and contrast, you'll find really interesting. So this is January of 1988. And it was two injections a day of this insulin called regular and NPH insulin. And you mixed them, you drew them up out of vial and syringe. You gave one in the morning before you went to school. And then you gave the other at dinner time and you poked your finger to check your blood sugar. And it took two minutes and you had to wipe the strip off halfway in between. Now we have insulin pump systems that automate the insulin delivery based on a reading from a continuous glucose monitor that monitors the glucose every five minutes or 288 times a day and does so much of the thinking for you. I think for me personally, diabetes control of these devices is so much better. I think that what would have happened is I would have had, I would have started that device very quickly. I'm fortunate. I had, I've always had excellent medical care and it actually would have made me have to accept having diabetes and let people know sooner because they would have seen the device, which would have been a huge upside. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the uh, ultimate outcome that you're 
hoping for, for, for kids who have this disease? What is, what is the Holy grail for you? Yeah, I, I have a great example. I told you a little bit about my study and one of the study patients I saw was a 15 year old boy who was diagnosed with diabetes in January of 2021. And he was in the study. So he started on one of these Medtronic automated systems within three weeks of diagnosis. And he came into one of his visits and his time and range, you know, how we talked about the goal was over 70%. His time and range was in the nineties. It was very high. Now he, he was a new onset patient. He Patients, and I explained how patients that are new onset, they still have some of their own insulin production, but he was doing phenomenally. But what really struck me even more was something he said to me during the visit. He said, sometimes I forget I have diabetes. Wow. And that's really, I think, what Medtronic's goal is. It's what my goal is to help people with diabetes forget that they have it for a while by providing devices that just do the heavy lifting. That's, I think, what it's all about is putting life in the foreground and diabetes in the background. That's great. And my, my final question, do you remember what word you spelled to win the spelling bee? I don't remember. You don't too, remember? Oh, no. Too, too many <laughs> you years. You had a lot going on, too, I suppose. <laughs> too many years of school <laughs> and other things in my brain. <laughs> Well, you had other important things to think about at the time as well. Well, this has been a a great conversation. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. It's been my pleasure. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thank you to our great guest, Dr. Jennifer McVean, and of course, to our sponsor, Sunrise Labs. Please subscribe to the Medtronic Talks podcast. You can do that on any podcast application, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. We're on all of them. It's a great way for you to ensure that you don't miss a future episode. You can also find back episodes on those channels. You can look as well on Medtronic.com and DeviceTalks.com. Finally, please connect with me. I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi. My last name is spelled S-A-L-E-M-I. I am also, for some reason, on Twitter. I am at MedTechTom. Please connect with me there when you share this podcast episode or just to drop a line and say hello. That's it. Thanks to, uh, again, Jennifer McVean for joining us on this podcast. Thanks to Medtronic for all the work in helping me put this together. Thanks to our sponsor, Sunrise Labs. And, of course, thanks to you for tuning in. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast coming to you soon.